Welcome back to the New Age Boxing Podcast, where everything is back to normal. Martin's back to being a boxing expert. I'm back to being, well, I was never a boxing expert. The pants didn't fit. And with me today, we have a full strength team of... Not a boxing expert by any means. <laughs> Martin Theobald. <laughs> and definitely a boxing expert. Mitchell's number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> you going to back those words up over the next hour? Yeah, I am. I fully intend to. So what was the next gen show like? Amazing. So. <laughs> Enjoy watching it. Incredible. <laughs> the only three um, letters that matter in British boxing. We don't have a whole lot to review, but... I'll save Andy the thought process. We're not going to review the next gen show. It was abysmal and embarrassing. So if you want to watch it, waste your time. It was trash. We, and we shall continue on. I think we do touch on it from one of the questions, but what a load of wank. Absolute yeah. wank. More in a hot stove way as opposed to a Dave Lee Travis way in terms of touching. So usually we would talk reviews, followed by uh, talking points, followed by previews, followed by questions. Uh, this week we have questions. <laughs> so we have. We're quite lucky actually in the sense that we've had a zillion questions on the week that nothing's happened. So round of applause <laughs> I, I to the fans. Plead, I did plead to people, so thank you for uh, for coming through. Yeah, you won't get told off by Terry this week. I well, I can't promise exactly, but some of you might. Yeah, no, yeah, that's you true. Know, not everyone submit. Um, okay, so I might as well go straight in, unless uh, you've got any that's... interesting anecdotes from the weekend. No, no. What have you been up to, Andy? You've been dating. Uh, my lips are sealed. Unlike uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no, no. <laughs> right, Daniel Saintart, fellow Tinderologist. Daniel, oh, Sa- yeah. <laughs> Daniel, we need an update. Yeah, yeah. How's how's he getting on? Because uh, hopefully he's doing the you just shake the tree and see what falls out approach. <laughs> or maybe he went for the um, industrial fishing uh, approach that you sort of. Yeah, I advocate that. I hope you're not doing that whole thing of, <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to see if I like her, then I'm going to click on like. I'm going to click on super like. I really like her. <laughs> or if you go for Terry's chuck a grenade in the lake and then <laughs> go along with the net approach. <laughs> you get to eat, right? <laughs> Man's got to eat, blood. Man's got to eat. <laughs> and Andy turns into Stormzy. <laughs> Come on, uh, fam. Right. Daniel Saint asks, will O'Hara Davis end up under Frank Warren? With Anthony Yarda. Uh, and then it's part of a question of, is Eddie letting uh, O'Hara Davis fight on the Cyclone show as a sign that he doesn't trust him? <laughs> Go on, Terry. <clears throat> um, look, let, let, let's look at the dynamics of that. O'Hara Davis wasn't really agitating for a Josh Taylor fight. You know, he's... Is he is WBC International? Silver or international. Silver, yeah. So he, Arara Davis has a belt that ranks him in the top 15 for the WBC. So there are people he can rightfully call out in that lane. So he wasn't really looking at Josh Taylor. The expectation from what I'd heard was, Josh, go and do what you do, grab a belt. O'Hara, go and do what you do, grab a belt. Let's then, you know, fight for belts. 
Um, so as it happened, Josh Whedon grabbed the Commonwealth, thinking O'Hara Davis would grab the British from Tyrone Nurse. You fight to unify those two. Whoever wins, great, carry on. And then you rematch when you're at world level. Um, Hearn's massively into O'Hara Davis. I, I can't imagine you're not. O'Hara Davis is his own marketing machine. He, he, he generates so much attention that he doesn't need a push from anyone. He's, he's his own man and he's self-generated, which has been good. The whole Cyclone thing was basically, look, O'Hara, here's how much money you should be asking for. Let's dare Cyclone to put that money up. Cyclone foolishly went with the bait, put the money up. It might be money they don't have. And that's Hearn's bet that they don't have this money. So what ends up happening? He says to O'Hara, just sandbag the show. You have your money already. Sandbag the show. Do the minimum you have to do to be compliant with the contract. Don't oversell. Don't undersell. Just do what you have to do. Leave it with them. They're the promoters. And what that means is, at some point, Hearn can go to Cyclone and go, you know you need the money, because we know that show costs you. And they'll throw something else at Cyclone. So it was a smart move by Eddie, because they genuinely believe O'Hara will have an easy time with this fight. Because, uh, imagine, what do you think the conversation was? Hearn rings up Anthony Crawler. Do you think O'Hara Davis beats Josh Taylor? Absolutely. Kevin Mitchell? Absolutely. Ricky Burns? Absolutely. Make the fight. You know what? Who do you think is getting better sparring in camp right now than O'Hara Davis? Between O'Hara Davis and Josh Taylor, who's getting the better sparring? So, no, Hearn believes in O'Hara Davis. This is just the way. Of, it's a quick win. Get the Davis thing out the way. Another black eye to Cyclone. Move on. In terms of would Anthony Yard and O'Hara Davis team up at Frank Warren? Simple answer: No. You'd easily take the Sky platform over the Frank Warren platform every day of the week Jonesy or K-Dog I think I'm going to go with K-Dog asks what do you think of Billy Joe Sauna's comments at the Golovkin Canelo presser is he just talking to pull out again or is he serious what made me laugh was the uh, the comment that was replied to Strath was, can't wait for Golovkin or Canelo to destroy Eubank Jr. one day. Nothing... Eubank Jr. is not even mentioned in the initial. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing pigeonholes boxing fans more than a comment like that. I just want to see someone get knocked out right? this bloke. <laughs> um, Billy Joe Sauna's comments, can you put me into context for All right, So they had the um, Canelo Triple G press conference over in London this week. Which is big, because they're only doing it in America and in London. Like The fight's not happening over here, so there's no obligation to bring a press conference over. So I think it's a sign that boxing is big business in the UK at the moment. Billy Joe Saunders turns up to it and um, blends in as you know a journalist at the back or whatever and starts asking questions, which is quite easy when you're a bit overweight and you look a bit scruffy. <laughs> then you look like a journalist anyway. So, um, you know, he's there and he starts asking questions. Um, yeah, so is it just him sounding off? I mean, he needs to, he needs to stay relevant. I mean, the whole world of kind of boxing that isn't looking at McGregor Mayweather, is looking at Canelo Triple G. They're doing a, you know, far more um, press stuff for already than, say, Ward Kovalev. So, Billy Joe Saunders is right to turn up and start asking questions, but ultimately, whether he wants it or not, and I suspect he does want it, the winner of this fight, it's down to what Warren can do for him. And can Warren land that fight? Possibly. They're going to have to 
at the end of the day, whoever wins this fight wins and has the pick of whatever they do in that weight division or moves up or moves down if you can and makes up another new weight. Do they want to, you know, unify and take uh, Saunders' belt as well and become undisputed? Probably, but on the other hand, it depends what Saunders' kind of terms and conditions are to it because he's going to be the least relevant out of all of them. The only outcome I can realistically see from it is that Saunders ends up with the loser of this fight. And I think that is possibly more likely than the winner. Uh, still a big fight though, isn't it? Um, Absolutely, one... but you damage goods, didn't you, if you come off not being the best? What there's talk, been talk recently of Golovkin retiring off this fight. Let's give that traction just for sake of argument. If that happens and Canelo wins, then what do you see as a likely outcome? Well, if Canelo wins and Golovkin retires, yeah. Could you see the because Canelo? I feel like Canelo's getting to a point now where he's above the belts, like kind of like yeah, Matt yeah. Winner. He's a loose cannon, Canelo. So like. What does Billy Joe Saunders bring to it? The belt kind of irrelevant, and he's not going to bring that much money. No, he doesn't bring any money at all. That's the problem that he's got. He, you know, he's not got a massive following. The promoter has yet to show their hands, Warren, in the sense of how much money they're getting out of this BT deal. Um, yeah, I don't know what he brings to it realistically. But, you know, Canelo can do what he wants. Canelo's bigger than the belts, as you say. He's already said that he's probably, oh, it's a possibility he's not going to uh, fight for the WBC belt. Um, if you remember, they made that stupid um, rainbow-looking... WBC belt for the Chavez fight and he said no I don't want to fight for it and he's already said for this like I'm not really that interested in the WBC belt so I may just leave that and fight for the other ones so he's not interested in the belts necessarily he's interested in the big fights and make money um question to either of you wish to talk either wish to chip in why does a weight such as Canelo any of those weights and then or Mayweather, why do they get above the belts, but when we get to heavyweight, there doesn't seem to be the same situation occurring? No, no, um, Josh is above the belts. But yeah, he's, he's still going for them, isn't he? Well, he'd happily <laughs> drop one if yeah. it meant if, making money. If, if, Anthony, if, if, if Anthony Joshua dropped all the belts, is he still the biggest draw in the heavyweights? Absolutely. If Wilder drops the belt, is he still one of the biggest draws in the heavyweight division? Absolutely. Look, Fury has no belts. And he's one of the biggest draws in the heavyweight division. Those three men are above the belts. They could fight each other in a round robin for no belts, and we'd all watch it. I think Hearn said about it in an IFL interview that um, with the Joshua situation, with having the IBF and the WBA titles, and if it came down to like, oh, we've got to fight Kubrat Pulev because it's a mandatory, or we could take the wilder fight elsewhere, then yeah. we might just drop the belt yeah. and go and take the big fight. Like, he's, <laughs> at the end of the day, he sells in the UK if he has a belt or not. He sells until he loses. I suppose we were talking about this before, that he's got a limited amount of time with Hearn, potentially. And if you're Hearn and thinking, right, I've got, I'm contracted to another Klitschko rematch, I don't want to waste a fight on Pulev yeah. when I can <clears throat> make money, Absolutely. serious money out of another fight. Um, so if he was to... And if he was to drop the Pulev fight, he still can fight Wilder for the WBC and it can be a title fight anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's still got the IBF title as well or the WBA title if he chooses to drop one or the other. Um, but I say those belts are almost irrelevant to him at the moment. Um, actually, furthermore to this, Kev Morrow asks, if AJ left Matchroom, would this Sky Deal be, uh, Sky Deal be in jeopardy? 
Yep. Uh, and then goes on to our uh, goes on to point out they have no depth in their stable at the minute. Good fighters made out to be world class. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Did you not see Stuart Hall on the next gen show Friday night? The up and coming Stuart Hall, thirty four years old or whatever he is. <laughs> That's what next gen's designed for, isn't it? Young up and coming fighters, you know, prospects. What does it mean a weak stable? That's, that's exactly what we want to be seeing. Um, so we're we're saying that it would be is this guy deal would be in jeopardy. Well, let, 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 let's look at the most powerful stable in boxing right now. It's probably Al Heyman's PBC, and you look in that stable. You've got two Brits who kind of anchor a lot of the shows, Frampton and DeGale. So they don't belong to her. And they're legitimate world-level fighters. Who has he got? No one. And the problem Hearn has is he's obsessed with these Wembley shows. He's obsessed with these set pieces. If you look at what Heyman's done, Heyman has said, forget the big events. Floyd's gone. With him has gone all of that money. The future of boxing is this incremental revenue. It's giving Garcia and Thurman $1.75 each, knowing that they can fight three or four times in a year. That's the revenue model he's going for. It's almost it's almost a drift towards the UFC model of if we get our top guys fighting three or four times a year, you know they'll get rich as well as opposed to fighting twice a year. You build up a brand that you can eventually either sell to a broadcaster, sell to someone else, or just float. So there's a way to make money. So Heyman's actually changed boxing in 2017 because he said we'll give you fan-friendly fights consistently. Hearn can't give us fan-friendly fights consistently. Which is why he sells the bullshit narrative of set-piece <clears> events. But when you look at the cards, they're crap. Um, Shouts out to Big Vern 46 who really flooded my, my WhatsApp inbox with just how shit the opponents were on the next-gen card. You're fighting guys ranked like 1,300 on BoxRec. Are, are there even 1,300 people on fucking BoxRec? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's actually embarrassing. And Heyman's shining the light going, no, no, here are meaningful fights. Golden Boy have had to follow suit now and say, yeah, we're also having to do this now where we give you fan-friendly fights consistently. And Hearn hasn't got the critical mass to do that. He laughed at Heyman for doing it. Now Heyman's looking smart because if you look at typical Heyman cards, what's happening now? Two top five guys will fight each other. Adrian Broner, Mikey Garcia, prime example. Fan-friendly fight. We all want to see that. You've got Devin Alexander fighting Luis Colazo. Not two big names, but it's two guys who should be a competitive fight. And so Heyman is saying, let's just put people in tiers or tranches, let them fight each other. Why? Because it's always going to be competitive. It's always going to be even. And the cards have a defined structure now. Whereas Hearn is just a shit, who's fit, who's ready, throw him in there. And look, the young prospects are good prospects, but they're not, they're not anchors yet. None of these guys are anchors. Prime example, look, Dillian White. What show has he ever anchored? None. They tried to and yeah. they cancelled it because of ticket sales. And that's the, and, and if he, Sorry, injury, not yeah. ticket sales. If he can't do it, who can? <laughs> An injury to the ticket sales. An injury, those ticket sales took a big beating. Um, uh, uh, backing up, sorry, what Terry just said about um, it being a terrible show, that next-gen one, and the opponents. I'm sure I'm right in saying... Every single opponent in that uh, next gen show on Friday night was coming off a loss. <laughs> Every single opponent was coming off a loss going into that fight. I didn't even have the wherewithal to go and have a four round fight in a Spain? leisure centre in Barcelona. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if only. Idiots. Um, 
Uh, Liam could... Smith went off on. Who saw that? Liam Smith going off at Liam Williams on Twitter. No, I haven't seen that. I, um, he was having a go at Liam Williams for uh, Liam Williams need to move the fight or was talking about moving the fight to November because his hands are damaged and after he got nutted by Liam Smith, the damage to his eye. Um, but Liam Smith, I don't know what is it about the Smith brothers. Like him and Paul come across as pretty odious people, really, on social media. It really? Was... Why are they like at a press conference? They were right. They were right people. Um, but yeah, no, they uh, on Twitter. I don't know. It just it was almost as if like he was trying to become the worst of the Smith brothers, which is quite an achievement. <laughs> yeah, on social media. Um, could we could we ever see a situation where someone like Al Heyman signed a couple more British boxers and he got the Sky deal? Not Sky Gardner. Um, so if, uh, Warren and Hearn would collude for that to never happen because that would kill both of them. Like that would absolutely kill Warren. It would kill Hearn because yeah. once Heyman's in here, his model is so fan friendly that look. If you look at the American hardcores, they're a minority in the states. Whereas here, everyone assumes they're a hardcore. You give us a card that says headlined by two top five guys. Then we either give you a prospect stepping up or we give you two old guys like Victor Ortiz, Brandon Rios jumping in. And then we'll give you a couple of prospects, maybe a couple of Olympians, and then some journeymen who just want to have a war. And that's how he'll structure his cards. And we'll love that in Britain because it'll be like the 90s again where you could watch boxing. Hearn and Warren don't have the critical mass to do that consistently. That's the problem. John... Can I just add something? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and, and one of the problems is Hearn slags off every non-match from fighter to the point where <laughs> there's no value. <laughs> that, that's the thing that really annoys me is that he'll just go, right, who's Billy Joe Saunders really? What's his... And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. Keep the money in the sport, if nothing else, please. But also, he could need him one day. <clears throat> he could need him. If Matchroom ever get a decent middleweight, I'm not talking Martin Murray, I'm talking someone decent. Um... He could need Billy Joe Saunders, and like you've absolutely downplayed his credentials. Remember to what such they did to Molina? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like slated Molina before AJ. Like they were running through in an IFL interview yeah. the potential opponents for uh, AJ, and this was when he fought Brazil, was it? I yeah. think. Um, and Hearns on camera going like Molina, not good enough. You know, he, he lost to so and so. He's just. He's not really a, a potential opponent. And six months later, he ends up in the ring with AJ. And it's <laughs> if you slag everybody else off, it comes around to bite you in the ass pretty quickly. That's Heyman's genius. He just doesn't talk. Yeah. John asks, with very little hate being aimed towards Floyd by hardcore, end quotes, boxing fans, why are hardcore fans such miserable cunts? <laughs> Baffles me. I'm assuming this is in relation to the McGregor fight. It seems a, a, a lot. I think about step. everything. I don't think he means it necessarily about one thing. I think um, boxing yeah. fans have a tendency to not be happy with anything. So either you're <laughs> rushing a prospect along too quickly and they're taking hard fights they shouldn't have, or you're not rushing a prospect quick enough and they're fighting people they shouldn't fight. A show's overpriced. You know, pay per view. All these things that. Um, I've seen two sides of the argument. So, for instance, this Matchroom show coming up on Saturday is headlined by Frank Buglioni versus Ricky Summers for the British light heavyweight title. Uh, and then there's an OK support fight, I can't remember what it is. And then the rest of it is 
a load of matching prospects versus to be confirmed on the right hand side, and that's recording. I love those ones. Yeah, to be confirmed is going to be again a busy person come Saturday night. But you know, some people will justify it as saying Frank Buglioni versus Ricky Summers is an okay fight, and it is an okay fight. Really? Like Buglioni's always an interesting fight. So Who Ricky, the fuck is Ricky Summers? He can bang Ricky Summers. No, 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 that wasn't the question. Who the fuck is Ricky Summers? <laughs> I'm not... A banger. No, who is he? <laughs> who did he beat to get in that position? Ask the board that. No, no, that's not Sky. Has, has he fought Callum Johnson? Callum Johnson's never fought anyone. No, has he has, won a no, Commonwealth no, no, title no, 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 and no, no, dug yeah. himself underground? Yeah. And then he hasn't fought Jose. But so you know when you're looking and you're like, come on, Frank. Like there's a tier of fighters he should have really been getting stuck in with. But what they've said is, we shit, we're paying Frank Buglioni more than we really want to pay him. That means we kind of have to get him a cab driver. And that's no shot to Ricky Summers. It's just a mate. Yeah. No one knows who you are. Watch the tweets come in. <laughs> when I see you, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's um, people say, you know, it's not that bad. It's an okay show. And then 95% of boxing fans will say it's not an okay show. It's not an acceptable show. Given what Hearn has said in the past about world title fights headlining all sort of front there, Saturday night, fight night shows. It's a load of shit on Saturday night, let's be honest. I'm torn, because I look at that next-gen card and I say, if that wasn't televised and that happened in a leisure centre in Sunderland... I'm cool with it. Yeah, that would have been like, damn, that's a good show yep. for a leisure centre in yep. Sunderland. If the July card was happening in the Camden Centre in London on a on a Friday, you know, nice, thank you. You're, Hearn's giving back to the fans. The minute you tell me that's a television card on either of those days, I'm a bit like... Oh, well, 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 let's talk about that. Really. <laughs> Can we have a quick second? Let, 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 let's really talk that through, considering this is an advert, a shop window for British boxing. Jesus Christ, no. And we've said it before. Give guys like Fowler, Kelly to Dennis Hobson for a while, like Heyman does. You know where Heyman doesn't show himself? He goes, look, you off with Lou DiBella, he'll look after you. When I need to really get involved, I will. But I trust Lou DiBella. Um, whoever he's got in the Midwest, whoever he's got down in the South, whatever. Do that. Give these guys to Dennis Hobson. Let him look after them. Give a couple of London lads to Steve Goodwin or Mickey Helliot. Give a couple of Northwest lads to Steve Wood. Um, whoever they've got in Scotland, no one cares. Um, MTK, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Sanagars, <clears throat> that MTK thing's becoming quite interesting because I think I have a feeling someone's had a word with Hearn and said, I know we're not really partners in public, but you kind of understand where we're... You, know, <laughs> you, you understand what the game is here. You know, you want your boxers to box. We want your boxers to box. You know, hook us up. <clears throat> but just do that. Let a Coley just do a few small... He's not... He's going to fight the same people, right? Let him build up that buzz and go, listen, a couple of, couple of those Facebook videos of him starching someone that go viral. You got you get your four million hits. Who's this Lawrence Okoli? Then the Americans start talking about him. But once you put him on Sky, you're holding him to a standard before he's ready for it. And that's the sad part about this. But then people ought to be getting on to Barry Francis at Sky. Like, when I cancelled my Sky subscription, I sent an email off to... I think I got a hold of, like, the head of Sky Sports or whatever. You and your emails, bloody hell. Yeah. Get me trouble, <laughs> don't they? Um, but, you know, just saying that the boxing standard isn't good enough on Sky. Because don't forget, Hearn's only got 18, 19, 20, something like that, TV dates per year. So in the space of a week, he's chucked away two of them. One of them on this next-gen show, 
which I say, we can't reiterate how bad that was. I didn't watch it, but I know it was bad because I saw the lineup. Is that why you didn't watch it though? Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it <laughs> like out of spite. Um, and then this one coming up on Saturday night, which is poor. You're going to get Connor Ben turn up and walk through someone. Lawrence O'Coley, Isaac Chamberlain, the same old faces. It's just not good enough. But people ought to be getting on to Barry France at Sky. Because it's not Hearn. Hearn will do it as long as he can get away with it. And I don't necessarily blame him for that. If you could do a shit job at work and get away with it, you'd do it. If you could put in minimal effort, you'd do it. What I find puzzling is that if you look at a football team, it's in, it's uh, especially sort of, well, across the board now, I suppose, it's important that they bring through talent in order to feed their, their first team. And that's not the entire youth system the youth management and all that stuff and feeding that first team is not all down to the manager. He might have a hand in it, but he has a youth team coach. He has a youth team manager. He has this and that. So why does it seem to be that Eddie Hearn's running the entire thing? He's where, not. Where, no, he's not. So who else is in there managing this? This Because he seems to be, um, sorry to labour the point, but like it seems to be that he's focusing essentially on his star players and he's letting everything fall apart. So who who is responsible? Each of these fires has a manager, which may unofficially be Hearn, because I don't think he's got a management um, license, and he always criticises boxers that have a uh, manager and promoter with the same person. I'm 90% sure he manages some of these fighters behind the scenes. Advisor. Sorry, advises, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you and your language selection. <laughs> <laughs> um... You have to be no, no. You have to be clear for the Muhammad Ali. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why Heyman is an advisor. So you have uh, these people getting advice behind the scenes. Um, maybe a bit of management from some people. <laughs> management advice. I'm not saying who from. Um, so you have other people in the background helping out. If they're sensible, they'll have a manager that isn't Eddie Hearn. Um, but Eddie Hearn, be clear about. It. You know how Jose Mourinho. If United have a terrible game, he's done it at Chelsea, he's done it at Porto over the years, done it at Milan. If those teams play really, really badly, who is it you see in front of the camera taking the slack for it? It's it's Mourinho. And like in the same sense, Hearn will take all that flack and take it away from everybody else involved. And he likes, he's almost like a pantomime bad guy. Anyway, when he gets booed at the Joshua fight, he takes like a conduit to all of that negativity. And he takes it on the chin and he lets everybody else get on with things behind the scenes. And that almost takes away sometimes, you suspect, from how bad some of the shows are. Because you can just have a go at Eddie. You're not even necessarily having a go at the show. Is, I know the two is, are hand in hand. Is that youth system, effectively, being neglected at Matrix? Well, well, that, that's a question. We've got a question oh, that okay. directly Sorry. relates yeah, to that. But, but to your point about football, the youth system in this country in football is broken as well. So yeah, they, yeah. They, showed, they showed the 2009 under-21 teams, England versus Germany, right? Virtually everyone that they showed up in that German team has gone on to play for a damn big club. I think with us it was Kieran Kibbs, James Milner, <laughs> and some other fucking Stuart number. Down in. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Walcott was in that squad as well. And, and, and I think the point I'm trying to He'll make... join a big club one day, don't worry, Terry. <laughs> And you'll support one as well. Meow. <laughs> 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 no, but, but so I, I guess what, what, what I'm trying to say is we have never got youth development right. We've never got youth coaching right in any sport, except for rugby where we just feed kids steroids and growth hormone and we tend to blitz everyone out of the way. Allegedly. 
No, we do. <laughs> sue me. No, no, sue me. We do. I've seen it. Um, gagging to get sued, isn't he? He's literally gagging. He's actually but, but, a bit annoyed so, so, that he, he's not getting sued. Yeah, so so, so Her, Her, Hearn's got the same problem GB have, where GB do not trust the amateur system to produce what they need. So now GB are going, we're just going to go in-house. We're going to get these kids from 13 and just run them Ring through our system. And Hearn's doing the same with the boxers, where he's like, no, no, fuck the amateurs, fuck the small halls. I'm going to take these Olympians who I know perform at a certain level and figure out how to monetize them as we go along. What, and they're not always the best. So someone like Lawrence Socoli is. I, I, I genuinely think he is. And when people say, oh, but look, he's all over the place and he got tagged. I always go back to this point. A kid called Ricardo Slew won the ABAs and was meant to be part of GB. He decided that wasn't for him. Fair enough. Respect that. They rang Lawrence and said, mate, you got a one-shot deal. Lawrence had like a handful of fights at this point. Kid showed up, fought his nuts out, trained his nuts off and said, it's kill or be killed. And, and he did it. So I will always respect that because that shows me as a pro, you'll go through hell and high water to be successful. I think there are other guys who have had it slightly easier, maybe in the light middleweight division, kind of had stuff handed to them, affiliations with footballers and other boxing families. They haven't quite had that same graft, and I'm not convinced under pressure they're going to cope. And that's the problem with our youth development system. We do not have good raw materials. How do you solve that? We'll come on to that at the end. It'll be one of my my rants. Uh, Rants and bants. (laughs) K-Dog. K-Dog asks another question. Are you going with K-Dog, not Jonesy? Yeah. Um, another one, he says, and relative to what we've been talking about now, is Sky slash Matchroom giving Frank slash BT a chance to become the new home for UK boxing due to their poor <clears throat> cards? Yes and no. I mean, yes, they're giving them a chance. No doubt about it. Because... If you drop your standards and you've got a competitor who wants your place, then of course you're you know you're giving them a chance. You're opening that door. <sighs> Frank Warren, though. <laughs> um, We've given him a can, but he keeps shooting himself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's building cards nicely. He's doing a good job, as long as he keeps doing that. But he needs to do that for 18 months. And when this new season starts back in September, let's see if he gets Joseph Parker over here for Huey Fury which the rumour is. Uh, there's talk of Terry Flanagan versus Felix Fideo and Huey Fury versus Joseph Parker up in Manchester happening in September. Wait, is Fideo the guy that did the Olympics? Yeah. Uh, and where are our 2012 Olympians? <laughs> um, yeah. um, so if he puts that kind of card together, then look, all boxing fans, all boxing fans will get behind that because that's a cracking card. And he's putting together that nice middle ground as well. So as Terry was saying earlier about how Heyman builds cards, Frank Warren's doing the same. Frank Warren's building that. So you saw Aaron Morgan versus Joe Pigford on the undercard of um, Davis and Javon, um Ryan Walsh. So you've got a few like trade fights in there, which is what Sky used to do. They used to put on trade fights. Like up-and-coming lads match them well, but they don't do it anymore. You now get up-and-coming lads fighting the shit that gets turned away and I know <laughs> some of these lads that come over and fight against the likes of Connor Ben against the likes of whoever else they get turned away by other promoters because they're not good enough 
and yet Matchroom can get them through and the board will kind of go, oh, okay. Um, and that's not good enough. These lads are Olympians. These lads ought to be fighting the best available. Um, but Frank Warren, if he keeps building those standards of cards, and we've seen a few glimpses of it towards the end of this kind of season, if he keeps doing that and building it up, then I hope all boxing fans get behind that and shift their focus. It's just whether he can or he can't, and whether he gets the right promotion. And I don't mean him as a promoter necessarily, I mean BT backing it. Frank Warren's the Nando's of boxing. He, he will always be in that zone where you don't quite want fast food, and you don't quite want to pay 80 quid for a two-person meal, but you just want to pop in, sit down at a table and eat food. And he'll always be amazing at that. Like You'll go in and go, I know exactly what I get with Frank, but you're not going to get a Wembley show from Frank, and you're kind of not going to get a small hall show from Frank, because Hearn does those shows better than anyone else, and I don't think Warren's got the savvy to give us a Steve Goodwin type show or a Steve Wood type show. That's not a bad analogy, really. Um, overpriced. Pretends that it's good for you and it's actually pretty bad for you. Whoa, <laughs> and, whoa, 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 whoa. And whoa, you whoa. have to do the legwork. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean it's bad for you? Well, it's covered. First of all, it comes with chips all the time and it gets no, covered no, in No, 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 no. Macho peas and coleslaw. You've got to have your two uh, okay. sides. The macho peas are good for you. Green vegetables, <laughs> sulfurophane. It's good for you. Meanwhile, we've just had a little break, and it's Cheetos time. And the truck delivery has arrived. (laughs) Um, Our sponsors have kindly dropped off. They're awesome. Flaming Hot Cheetos. I told you. We might not be able to record after this. (laughs) Someone's going to have to do a shop run. These are the shit. If only we were actually sponsored. What would you be be sponsored by? Cheetos or, like... Well, any other company? Yeah. I mean, we've put a lot of legwork into Tinder. They probably owe us already. They're not paying us back, though, are they? And I get nothing out of that. You two might, but... I want Girl Collection. You know Floyd's Club in Vegas? (laughs) (laughs) I want to get sponsored by that. (laughs) Well, then they send you a woman every now and again. Listen... I mean, we can have me a car in it. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> also sponsored by Skype. <laughs> Is it like Uber for women? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think any rules. I think anything goes. Oh, fair enough. But Floyd only stays, stays till three. Then he's got training. Okay. After that, completely unprofessional interlude. What do you bo- two and eight? Sorry, asks. What do you boys think about Wilder apparently turning down three mil to fight White? Is it a duck? Did it happen? First of all, and is it a duck? Did it happen? Comes down to whether you believe Eddie Hearn at face value or not. He said they've been offering Wilder's team incrementally uh, higher offers of I think five hundred thousand pounds or dollars. I'm not sure which. Um, and he said the last the last he publicly spoke about it was it was up to three million and um, Wilder's team had been asked to you know they're going to go away and talk about it. Do I believe that it's three million? Do oh, I fuck? No way at all. Like what's Wilder's biggest purse? Because they declare him in America, didn't they? Uh, I think Terry's just got a mouthful of Cheetos, but as soon as he's finished that, he's going to come and uh, finish him. I'm sure it's like six, seven hundred thousand dollars somewhere around that. It's about a million. About a million. And well- so- but remember when they, when Eddie was talking this bollocks about getting Ward over to fight Froch? And they were, talk, they were like, <laughs> God, do it, do it. Mine sucking off a Cheeto. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's no. a salty taste. No. <laughs> Sounds awful. 
No, so, but look, <laughs> remember when they were trying to get Ward over? And they were giving derisory offers to Ward. And I always give Ward credit for this because Ward broke it down and he said, hold on, they're offering me $4 million to fight Carl Froch. I have to pay 40% of that in tax. Oh, yeah, you've seen that before. Yeah. So why am I going to come over? I can make $4 million in the States. And he just said, pay me the money. That means that I leave this country with the same money that Carl Froch has, which is going to be about six, six and a half. Hearn doesn't want to do that because it upsets his model. I imagine Wilder's looked at that number and gone, three million, this is how much I lose in tax. Then I've got to pay my state tax. Then I've got to pay my federal tax. It wasn't worth it to fly over there. I to could, fight Dillian White yeah. in a fight he gets nothing out of anyway. I could fight Stavern here, get two and a half million dollars, less taxes. I don't have to pay Stavern as much. I, I dictate the terms. Why would you fight Dillian White? And let's be absolutely clear. This is the guy who couldn't even anchor a show June 3rd, whenever it was. So I know they're going to be casuals going, but Dillian's this, Dillian's that. The fact is, Dillian hasn't done anything, right? He lost to Joshua when Joshua was green as hell. And he lost to Derek Chisora, who's seen better days. And that's no shot to Derek, like, you know. But he, I mean, he, he, he scraped that win over him. But I thought he lost that to Derek Chisora. All right. So you look at Dillian and you say, what's the commercial prospect here? Oh, well, he's a name and he yeah, sold it to the UK fans. If you have to sell Deontay Wilder to the UK fans by using Dillian White, then the UK fans are fucking idiots. But the worst thing was, I don't know if you saw the Hearn interview on IFL, he was talking about, um, and he gave three specific reasons why Wilder you know, doesn't want this fight. Didn't mention about the fact that Wilder isn't going to make the money that he's talking about, as you've just outlined, Terry. His reasons were, one... Dillian White is a handful on Twitter in the build-up to a fight. <laughs> what? what? the fuck? <laughs> you know, he's going to be on you. Just block him, you prick. Please tell me that was his first point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not even making this up. What else? And he's, and then, point number and two. And then if you went on for another minute of the Hearn going, um... Uh, uh, <laughs> Twitter... Um, just go to the toilet a minute. Uh, the second point was, Dillian White will be a handful in the press conference... Again, I'm not making this up. He's learned from Chisora. He's learned from the best. And you know, he's going to be a nightmare for any fighter in a press conference. And number three is, no, I... he's a handful in the ring. Oh, like, God. is he really a handful in the ring? Because Joshua... grab a handful off him. That's about as much as... Joshua didn't really, apart from that left hook that everyone talks about, aside from that, which didn't knock Joshua over and he couldn't follow it up, is he really a handful in no, the ring? I am... Because I... Chisora, you know, nullified that handful and made it into a war... As much as I don't think Wilder is the second coming of Muhammad Ali, he's certainly better than a slightly over-the-hill Derek Chisora. And he would handle Dillian White. I'm sure he would, because Dillian White, let's be honest, he's not that good. And so Hearn is just fucking, just ploughing out this bollocks. He's being a, I'll tell you what he's being, he's being a dishonest fucking prick. <laughs> yeah? Fucking and, 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 and anyone that wants to phone Eddie and say I said this is absolutely right. Deontay Wilder is a fucking world champion he's a WBC champion right there's only one man Hearn should be offering to him and that's Anthony fucking Joshua for god's sake man boxing fans talk so much shit on Twitter which is why I haven't been on it for a while but Hearn has Joshua it makes everybody rich for Joshua to fight Wilder just say 10 million 10 million you bastards fight each other right don't feed him bell you don't feed him wide. Why are you disrespecting another world champion? 
No one, Don King's not coming from America going, I know you want to fight wild and unify, but can you just squeeze Stavern in there? No, because Hearn will say, this is an IBF and WBA world champion. He's only fighting world champions. Okay, Wilder wants the fight. I don't care what anybody says. Wilder will fight Joshua now, right? He has no fear of Joshua. He wants to start him. Hearn, make that fight. He doesn't want Dillian. Who's the fuck? Dillian White's nobody. There are people in this country who will beat Dillian White. He hasn't cleaned up here to demand that. See, I, I'm Captain Casual, as we, all, as we all know. And personally, I'd be more prepared to spend money on making sure that White didn't get a world title opportunity. I don't think he's going to win, but I find it almost offensive that he would get a chance because he's, for me, he's shown, like you say, scraped past his aura, who, I mean, we've mentioned him before as a gatekeeper, so I suppose it's a bit disingenuous to say if you beat a gatekeeper by any measure, you kind of are, you know, <clears throat> past the gate, <laughs> if you like. But at the very, very most, like, he is at the bottom of that level, like a white, uh, Terry will probably disagree here, but a white hay or a white bell you fight is about the best that personally I would be interested in watching. No, I'd be I right agree. With that. Yeah, that's, that's sensible. But yeah, two non-champions and like the winner of that goes on to, you know, then you've got a legitimacy. Yeah, I mean, what legitimacy right now does Dillian White have to be calling out no, the yeah. WBC world champion <laughs> and then saying that he's like a pussy because he doesn't want the fight? <laughs> Get to fuck! Like, what right have you got to call? And I know Deontay Wilder has not got the best CV in the sport. I know that. Like before anyone comes on, going who's, De- uh, who's Deontay Wilder beaten? He's beaten Stavern and he's got the belt. That's all that matters. The rest, and, of and he beat Molina, who according to Hearn is a hell of a fighter. <laughs> but all that matters is that he's got the belt by whichever means, by whichever like least resistance he got that belt. Yeah, I think it comes back to the argument um, made about. Billy Joe Saunders. What's White got? He's not going to generate loads of money. He doesn't have a belt, and he, frankly, he's not the most. He's not like he's the most exciting boxer in the world to watch, is he? So I don't. I don't. Yeah, no. I don't know. I just don't see. No, but look, it's, it's this whole thing about the boxing business. Make the fights that make sense, and don't disrespect Wilder. Dillian White should have called out Arthur Spilker. Call him out. Do you really think you got something? Call out Spilker, and then we can go right. Look. This is what Wilder did. Common opponent. Now you can call out Wilder. You have a reason to do so. But deep down, we all know... And this is a typical match from tactic. Find the quickest route to a world title shot, knowing that the guy's going to lose anyway. You know, you know if you put Dillian White in with Arthur Spilker, he'll lose. You know if you put him in with Stavern, he'll lose. You know if you put him in with Gerald Washington, he'll lose. So you're like, oh, let's just call out Wilder and make a whole load of noise. And I like Wilder because it seems Wilder's savvy to this now. And Wilder said, give me Joshua like you promised me at the WBC convention where you said I will get you the Joshua fight in 2018. And Wilder's like, you give me that. Or if you want me to fight Dillian White, come up with a $7 million. Okay, um, just going to move on slightly to something just slightly outside of boxing, even though it is still in the sphere of. Brian N. asks, which boxing journalists do you most admire? Uh, which do you most dislike? And what are your favourite <clears throat> publications? I don't really read any publications these days. I read all my stuff online, if I'm honest. Um, my favourite writer is a guy called Elliot Wurzel, who wrote the book Haymaker. He does a bit of writing, so this is a bit of a crossover, but he did 
Haymakers. They spent some time with David Hay back in the Adam Booth days. It's just a phenomenal book. Like so well written, so close to the subject, captures it really well. He does a lot of writing now. I think in MMA and does a bit of boxing still. Um, but Elliot Wurzel was one of the reasons. Like reading that inspired me to start writing my own stuff as well. Like it's really fantastic stuff. Um, I've always liked Danny Flexen as well. Danny Flexen's a brilliant writer. Um, who does he write? Is he a journalist for a newspaper? Or? He used to write for Boxing News, um, and now he does stuff for websites and stuff. I say that's where I get most of my reading well, from. I'm just sort of asking because I'm assuming that people might then follow up on this and want to read it for themselves. I doubt it. They're not going to listen to my recommendations. <laughs> they might do, mate. Is it like British Boxing News? Yes, yeah, I think something that's like that. Danny just Flexen. look up Danny Flexen on Twitter. You'll find him. But uh, he's a great writer. Um, I think everyone knows my loyalty is still to Steve Bunce. I think. His his articles in the Independent are incredible, um, and you can see he's a guy who's boxing through and through. So I always think if you really want to understand something wider than the boxing bout itself, Steve Bunce is incredible for that. So I'm a big Steve Bunce fan. Not so high on Gareth A. Davis. He's a think, prick. Yeah, I don't think he's in the same <laughs> league. He's a prick. All right, um, that goes on to your dislike yeah, list then. And then. Ben Durs and Tom Fordyce are quite underrated guys. I know they're general sports people. But ben Durs is very good anything yeah. he writes. Yeah, so when they zero in on boxing, it's really, really good. And I know Ben Durs is going freelance in a lot of things. So if you can get any of his stuff, it's really, really good. I'm trying to think, in the States, is anyone that excites me? Dan Raphael's shit. Um, don't get excited by him. But look, it's in 2017. It is really about user and fan generated content i know we're going to talk about boxing in 20 years time but there's some guys out there who write some good stuff it, it's hit and miss but like that's with all content you know i i, I don't love every pearl jam album actually i don't love any of them but you know what i mean <laughs> are there any um f- are there any former boxers that have gone into journalism i know well, well bunce is a former amateur as is mike costello See, for me, Mike, because I don't read a lot. Most of my stuff is listening to podcasts and specials, yeah. and they've just started their own one up. Mike Costello, for me, is is just great. He's He obviously takes a massive interest in um, individual brilliance in sports because he's, he's, uh, he's the correspondent for boxing and athletics. It's obviously specific to his uh, his driving motivation as a journalist to watch individual brilliance. Another man who boxed before he became a journalist. So it, those those two together is a is a cracking listen. There's but, something about me, writing about boxing having been actively involved in the sport because you'll get those small anecdotes that almost define a person. So I remember Steve Bunce doing interviews with Mick Carney before like David Hay fights. And there would be the times where you'd actually hear now Mick would say stuff about David like David's not really arrogant he's got three or four close friends and that's all he has he doesn't let new people into his circle he's humble he's family orientated and all that sort of stuff and he'd always put that different spin on it and you'd almost say okay right so here's an alternative view of David Hay compared to what we read and Bunce was good at doing that and it's hard to do that from the outside so I know there's a lot of guys who listen to this who write stuff but if you don't have that insight where people give you the wider context, it's quite hard to understand where a boxer or a fight fits in. And I like to think that's what makes this podcast <clears> different. Like, it's coming from a perspective where there's some guys, like, if I talk about Hara Davis, I'm going to talk about him from the perspective of, I remember the kid in 2011. Same with Anthony Yard. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, like you just heard with Lawrence Okoli. I remember those days when they sent Okoli up there and a lot of people were like, he's going to get absolutely minced. And my view was, I don't know, but 
when the lights come on, you've got to perform. If this kid performs, he'll be at the Olympics. And he was. Can I just chuck in quickly, by the way? We've got a, a last-minute request from Mark saying, can we get a, a bit of feedback on the Lude DiBella and Eddie Hearn beef? So if anyone's missed this, it actually comes back to what we've already discussed about Dillian White and uh, Don Chisor. The legend. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm about to go into incognito mode on my phone because Eddie's blocked me on Twitter, so I can't actually read through the uh, the back and forth. <laughs> so if you're blocked by anyone, never want to see what they're doing. Just go on incognito mode. Um, but yeah, it was just Lou DiBella. This was after um, Deontay Wilder had gone off on uh, on the offer they got, and Lou DiBella came out and said, "Come on, Eddie Hearn, stop with the Twitter offers and attempts to get white attention." His best cred almost losing to Chisora. Make the rematch between those two. <laughs> Which is exactly what we yeah. just said. And then yeah. Eddie Hearn's gone off uh, saying, oh, Lou, with all respect, you aren't even discussions. Doesn't matter if he's in the discussions. He's giving yeah. his opinion yeah. as he's, an educated he's member. Oh, well, it's embarrassing. I'll tell you why it's embarrassing, right? Hearn already... I mean, like, the Hearns will know the DeBella. Well, they'll know Lou DeBella because at some point you had to get your shows on American TV and Lou DeBella was a former TV exec. But... To disrespect Lou DiBella, because deep down we know you talk to Heyman, you don't talk to Lou DiBella, we know that. But to almost lift that veil and go, mate, they say you're the promoter, but you're fucking nobody. Remember what I said before about Hearn always pissing in the well? Like, everyone needs to live in the sport, and you can't have Hearn just taking the piss like this. And this is from a man that doesn't generate that much money. Let's be clear about this, right? Matchroom is not a hundred million pound revenue business. Nowhere near. You know, I'm sure DeBella Promotions probably matches them revenue, revenue-wise, probably. So who is Eddie Hearn to have a go? But the casuals buy into it because Eddie's the, the casuals hero. And you all buy into this bollocks. The truth is, DeBella deserves respect. He's being honest and saying, we haven't received an offer. Wilder clearly isn't moving for anything less than $7 million. So Eddie Hearn has an option. You either give Deontay what he wants or just fuck off. Anyway, so I was just chucking that in there because I got it just now. Um, I like to think of New Age Boxing every week. is almost like we have a little a boxing gathering, almost like a virtual festival, and everyone comes and sets up their stalls. I just hit Glastonbury. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, the listeners come in, they set up their stall, invite us to have a drink and a <clears throat> chat with them. Yeah. Well, Free Ghost has also set up his stall. Yeah. And then we've come along and pissed on it. So <laughs> before he discuss, he sent in quite nicely, sent in two questions, passed us all two beers each, and Good then we've man. pissed all over his stall and already discussed them. So just brief answers on these two because I want to take a nod to them. Free Ghost asks, have Matchroom ever put on a card as pointless as the next-gen card this weekend? Absolutely not. And let's go back. There was a There's a written interview. I tweeted out a, um, a screenshot from it the other day where... Eddie Hearn um, basically was bigging up how good Matchroom are and saying, you know, before us there were shitty shows in small hall leisure centres and nobody was there and it was all one-sided fights. So you tell us what was different between Friday night and what you described of Matchroom before you got involved. Because it's exactly the same. So has there ever been one as bad? Probably. Like, Warren used to put on some pretty horrendous shows. Yeah. The Hearns have put on <laughs> some that. horrendous shows. Probably. <laughs> they probably have. <laughs> they probably have been. Um, because if you look at the, the left-hand side of the card, the home fighters, there's a lot of Olympians, a lot of talent on show. They're just on show against terrible opponents. Yeah. Um, but as Terry said earlier, put that on without the TV cameras there. Everyone is fine with it. Put the TV cameras there. You're wasting a date. Um 
So, have they put on as pointless a night? Possibly, but it doesn't stick out in my memory. Um, Terry, the second of his questions is, do cars like this and next show just how thin Matchroom stable of actual headline quality fighters If you have? follow the podcast, how often have I said it? Yeah. You know, I, I keep saying this to people. Stop buying the bullshit, pause for a second, go through that roster and say, who's going to be a world champion in the next 12 months? And you're like, nobody. Dillian White. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> And then you look at it and you go, who who am I going to get excited about? And the answer to that is a handful of guys. So, look, I'm not going to hate on the matchroom roster because I see these young guys and I'm excited. So I'm excited by what Lawrence will do at Cruiserweight and I'm excited what he'll do at Heavyweight because eventually that's where he's headed. I'm excited by, you know, what guys like Reese Bellotti will do. I think Reese Bellotti is a damn good boxer. You know, will he reach the top? Is he in an environment to reach the top? Possibly. So I get excited by him. Josh Kelly, look, Jesus Christ, I watch Josh Kelly and I get excited. I'm disappointed that, you know, that guy that he fought didn't just go, well, if you're going to stand there with your hands down, I'm just going to punch you. I, I, you know, but then that's... He was just... throwing the lone jab. Josh Kelly would... And he's got very nice head movement at that level. Well, what, on one side, like if you notice, he's not really slick on the right-hand yeah. side. It's all left hand. Yeah, but let's be clear about this, right? People sucking the dick of Josh Kelly on the back of Friday night. It was a nice performance. And that finish with just the left hooks was a nice performance. Tom Whitfield, who he was fighting, had a record of like five and one. And now Eddie Hearn is telling us that Josh Kelly has fought three opponents, each with winning records. And that's impressive, right? I'm going to break it to you. It's not impressive. There are lads that are bred in the small hall scene up and down the country in Scotland, in Wales, there are lads that are building up those records against journeymen. So you get a record of 4, 5, 6 and 0 against people that literally don't fucking throw a punch. And then you've got a winning record. And then you can then turn up and fight somebody who's a fucking Olympian like Josh Kelly. And Josh Kelly could make you look stupid and will finish you inside two rounds. And then Eddie Hearn can turn it around and go, well, now he's beaten four people with winning records. There's an entire farm of young lads that are brought up in all the different weight divisions. And I'm not saying every single small hall fighter is in that situation or is in that category. But there are so many of these young lads that are getting these records against journeymen that are paid in some circumstances not to throw punches back of any significance and take people for a walk round and Eddie Hearn can take the winner of that fight and put him in with Josh Kelly and say you know now he's beaten another lad with a winning record don't buy that fucking narrative it's just terrible I had to bring that out of him. Sorry, I, I, I had to. I, I, I always that. said that he's back. I'd always, I always said I'd put the explicit tag on this podcast if we ever reached a million fucks, and we're close to it. We are close but, to it. But Ma- some no, no, sea bombs, some sucking of dicks. Tell me I'm wrong. Martin is absolutely <laughs> right. No, no, he is because Eddie Hearn could easily ring Larry Akindai and go, "Mate, do some rounds with Josh Kelly." Yep. You know what I mean? Let's see what he's really got. And Larry will take that fight. And even if you said to Larry. Don't go mental on him. I've got a fight for you a couple of months down the line. Fair enough. But Larry will ask some questions. And where, where there are openings, he will jump in there. And we'll look and we'll go, oh, okay. Josh has got a chin. Uh, that head movement's for real. But you're sticking him in against something fucking... He's a fucking baker or window cleaner or something. Who the hell is that guy? And that's what annoys me. Is when you're there and you're watching. I'm like, I don't know this guy. Who is he? Like, I don't even know him in a journeyman context. 
It's embarrassing. And why should I be excited about Josh Kelly? Because yeah. he's beating him. Like, yeah. You're an Olympian. You should be beating this bloke. You should like, be beating him. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have him for sparring. You know, you'd be there sparring. You'd be like, nah, mate, jump out. That'll be it. Like after one round, come on, mate, jump out. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah this, this is not for you, mate. It's if they brought Tom Whitfield to spar Josh Kelly now as a pro, they would ask him to go home after one day. Exactly. Like you say as an amateur, but as a pro, Tom Whitfield wouldn't, he wouldn't cut the mustard in terms of being a Josh Kelly sparring partner. And you know who this hurts, though? It hurts Josh Kelly because it's another wasted bout. And that's what, it's a pride thing. Like, we, we, I think we talked about it earlier in a couple, a couple of podcasts ago where we said, look at the 2012 Olympians from the States, look at the 2012 Olympians from this country, and look at how quickly the Americans have risen to world level and fighting for world titles. Why? Because even the suckers that they fight are good club fighters. They're guys who, who are fundamentally sound, they understand boxing, they see gaps, they work, and they make the young prospect earn the win. That guy took half those hooks hit his glove and he was just like uh. and do you remember when, when he was on the- did you see him on the floor and he looked to his yeah, corner and, and they just put the hand out like the corner cool. were like don't bother getting up yeah, yeah. you've earned your money we've got our money he, he, he was not get Chris get Chris Lay in there yeah. because Chris Lay does not get stopped if Josh Kelly went in there and stopped Christian Lay within four rounds fair enough like that, that would excite me then that he can do that not wait, stopping wait. fucking Tom Whitfield but, but, with six fights on his record. But more importantly, one of them lost already. why are Olympians doing four rounds? These guys all did a WSB. How dare they do four rounds and it deceive the fans? It might have been fans? six, to be fair. Might have been six. I don't know. Well, you know, but <laughs> let's stop these four rounders for these guys. Let's just stop all that nonsense. We don't even want to touch on Natasha Jonas either. She's getting fed to Katie Taylor. She should have stuck with the team that backed her before. She decided to chase the money. Hope Katie Taylor rinses her out clean, you know, we're backing Sam Smith in this team. That's yeah, of course, Sam. There you go. That's how. That's how. That's how. Does she listen? You're good friends with her. Let's She'll be. She, she can be persuaded to listen. And now, now, now that she's part of the, you know, she's part of the extended team, the extended family. Yeah. <laughs> um, David McGinley is not immune from the dumping on his part stall. of the extended family. In fact, he's a probably in terms of he's concentric of circles, he's a lot closer. Yeah. yeah. I'm just taking a big. Yeah, he can have some, he can have some turkey at Thanksgiving. I'm just taking a pee all over his uh, festival stall. No, uh, no. Keen to hear all three of you give your thoughts on Dillian White's chances versus Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at, which I think, David, you may have a flavour for already, but then he goes on to ask, also, Parker, if they got matched this year. So there's big ifs in there. but um, Wilder knocks them out in five rounds, man. Like, like he'll play with them, and then he'll just start, you know. He'll, he'll treat them like he treated Ariola. What's going to happen with Parker? Let's just say, if we disregard the Furies for a second... Where what does Parker do next? Because it seems to be he keeps getting the idea that he's going to fight these two, but then these two sort of like it seems to linger on. That he's still got Huey as his mandatory. That's still outstanding. Um, um, so when does that tick over into okay? That's not going to happen now. Or have we got a, a deadline for that's got to happen? That's going to happen. It gets done or it doesn't. Huey still has a license, doesn't he? Yeah. <clears throat> so that fight could happen. There's no there's no impediment to that fight happening apart from fitness. It would seem Huey's fight in July. Uh, and then I said the talk is that they'll fight in September in Manchester, whether or not that happens. So remember last time Huey pulled out and I think it was a situation that probably suited everyone for Huey to pull out um, because of the money that was bid on it, etc. I think Frank's always said judge him in September. I suspect that BT money will help him maybe get someone like Joseph Parker over. 
And what better way to kick off the proper boxing season in September than a world heavyweight title fight for one of your lads up in Manchester? Like, it's the obvious thing to do. And then in who wins, uh, you know, he goes back to White versus Parker. It goes to points, doesn't it? Surely, I don't see either of them stopping the other one. I think it'd be a fairly boring fight. I don't really care, if I'm honest. Like, whoever wins gets wiped out by one of the other champions in time anyway. Um, Craig, fighttalk.net, says, Lomachenko versus Rigondeaux. How would you see that playing out? Terry? Probably not as good as it would have been like a year and a half ago. Like, look, Rigondeaux's like 80, let's be honest, right? 80 with just decent reflexes still. But I think that fight would be... It'll be quite dull, because I, I think Rigondeaux is still hard to hit. I don't think he'll engage and force the fight, so Lomachenko will have to force the fight. They're both southpaws. It, 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 you know, it sounds better than it would be, is is my take on it. Um, I don't think you can overwhelm Lomich, uh, Rigondeaux with volume. He's too slick, and he knows how to get out the middle quickly enough. Lomachenko's good if you're there to be hit. Rigondeaux's never there to be hit. He's always... He has a, this is okay. So here's a differentiator between Rigondeaux and all of Lomachenko's other opponents. The first shot you throw at Rigondeaux is a trigger for about three different defensive moves, which end up with him just being completely out of range. And Lomachenko will get frustrated by that at some point, you know. So it won't be a great fight. That's what you need to know. It just wouldn't be great to watch. Right. These next few questions, I I'm actually cringing the thought of asking you because. <laughs> But, um, right, be that as it may, um, the boxing promoter asks, would you manage the Olympians differently if you had them in your stable, or is Hearn's method the best? Boxing promoter, shout out, again, we've said it before. It's a good app, a lot of fun. If you love football manager, you'll love the boxing promoter, jump in. And we have no uh, no particular interest in that other than someone make a decent boxing game. And he's doing a good job of it. So he writes some really good, uh, interesting updates on the developments too. Uh, would we manage the Olympians differently? Or is Hearn's management the best way? I'd run over one of them though, for sure and then reverse over him. We've got a question about him, you'll be fine. Okay. Um, look, there is no point in these fights, these early fights... I don't know. All you can do is say, they ought to be taken. Their first fight, their debut, ought to be against the loser of the last area level title fight at their weight division. That's what every debut should be for an Olympian. Is you take the last area level title fight, you take the loser, you put them in with that Olympian. Because that's where you should be starting. That's where they should... You know, they're still levels above that anyway. And they'll wipe the floor with them 99% of the time. But it's better than seeing what we're seeing with them at the moment. Um, is he doing it the right way? No. They all ought to be off the TV. Nobody ought to see a thing from them. <laughs> Terry said it earlier. Loan them. Use a loan system out to the small hall promoters. Let them go out and cut their teeth elsewhere. Eddie can pay... You know, what does a fighter have to sell? 100 tickets, typically. Um what's that four grand or whatever that they have to raise this is a typical scenario that's what a small hall boxer has to do four grand ish if you think a thousand uh, sorry 100 tickets are 40 quid ago eddie can pay that four grand for them so they don't have to bother about the ticket selling stuff just get them out there on the small hall scene get them these fights off the radar and raise them through when they get to english level then start showing them on sky because by that point 
they've probably had seven, eight fights. And, you know, some of these Olympians ought to be doing it after three or four fights. But that's an interest that I would have at that point. Until then, I don't want to see them beat people that we know they're going to beat. No, I fully agree. I, I can't really contradict what I said earlier. I don't think Hearn's got it right. I think Hearn's motivation isn't necessarily boxer development. It is securing the assets. That's why he signs them when he does. Because it's better he has them than Frank has them. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. Definitely, yeah. Um, is Anthony Fowler as good... Oh, sorry, the boxing madman. Is Anthony Fowler as good a prospect as Hearn and Caldwell seem to think? Looks big for a light middle to me. Uh, getting we'll run him, over, yeah. Will we see him move up? <laughs> Go on, Terry. I, look, for all the guys talking on social media, and that's what I really take issue with, the guy got put on his ass in the Olympics, which tells me that he's chinny, because you're not supposed to do that, right? And the guy that he hits, not a notorious puncher either. I mean, so... Good luck to Fowler. I'm not going to stop a man making a living, but so far, hype to reality ratios like a hundred thousand billion to one, right? Um, whenever Dave Corwell tells me someone's good, I, I, I tend not to believe it. When Hearn tells me someone's good, I tend not to believe it because those guys clearly don't know what good is. It's difficult because I, I struggle to think if there's anyone out there, as I've as I said many times before, pretty casual fan myself. Does anyone truly believe anything that Eddie Hearn says in terms of prospects? Yes. I realise you two don't. Everyone who fucking follows the lad bible on Twitter, they're the people. <laughs> or Joe. Or like, Joe. Or the sport bible. They're the people. Uni lad. Yeah, they're the ones that believe everything Hearn says. They're the ones that when you read Twitter, uh, or sorry, YouTube, when there's an IFL video, you read through the comments and... It's mainly 50-50 or whatever, but you'll see some people that honestly think, like, he is, he's probably given birth to boxing. Boxing didn't exist before Eddie Hearn came along to a lot of these people, and it's crazy. Okay, uh, Sam from Fighting Talk asks, could we see more fighters taking the free agent route so they can play the market more, i.e. with our TV coming through? Um, I think it worked for Frank Buglioni for a while. Well, fucking hell, it worked for Miguel Cotto, but you're Miguel Cotto. You can be a free agent. The problem you have is Warren and Hearn would both look and go, this is not in our interests. We're both not going to mess with a free, any free agent. Is that what uh, Eubank Jr. is doing <clears throat> or not? I don't know what his commercial agreement to ITV is, but there's clearly a commercial agreement. I imagine there's a degree of exclusivity around that. Otherwise, ITV would be absolutely insane for signing an agreement. Yeah. Um. Look... Free agency works if you have something to sell. The truth is most boxers have nothing to sell. Frank Buglioni has nothing to sell. The reason he's in the position he's in as a free agent is he has a belt. Well, he's now with Eddie now. He's signed with Matchroom. Oh, yeah. But, but even even prior to that, he had the belt. And a lot of people want that belt. Because 175 is a hot division in this country at the moment. So the belt has value. If he was a 168 British champion, it would be the same thing. The, that belt is valuable. If he was a light middleweight champion, as a, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't get any phone calls. Not I think that but. there's a value to it, but you have to know what your value is. Yeah. And you have to be a domestic high-level champion for it to be worthwhile. Chisora's always in a great position. He can go and turn up on any old show. And he's worth money. You know, he's meant to be fighting Robert Hellenius. That all fell through under a cloud of mystery from the Sauerland brothers. Cough, cough, probably TV uh, networks. Cloud, cloud of dust. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sneeze, sneeze. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, they haven't come out and confirmed it. Maybe they're still chewing it over on the mouse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, Derek Chisora is in a good place in one sense. that He can be handed off to any promoter. You know, the Dillian White fight's there. He could go off and fight. He'd be a legitimate opponent for Joseph Parker. He'd be a legitimate opponent for Deontay Wilder. And he doesn't then have to, like, get it cleared through his promoter. He just has to do it through his manager. As long as the money's right, he'll go out and do it. Uh, I really like this question, actually, from Ken. Well, they're Gray. saying that. He's with the Sowellands anyway, I think, so. It's like being a free agent, really, isn't it? Yeah, the Sowellans don't use him over in Germany, do they? So, um, yeah, this this question I find really interesting. Kenza Gray asks, "What major changes do you see happening in the next twenty years? I'm talking weights, belts, and broadcasters, etc." Is it? I realise it's a tough question to answer, but just get your speculation <clears throat> heads on and go for it. Go wild. So there'll be no women's boxing. Like they, we know women's boxing. Someone will get knocked out. It will turn out that women physically aren't designed to cope with hellacious punishment. They'll reduce it to women can't fight more than five, two-minute rounds. Women will get bored and go, you know what? Sod it. We're done with this boxing. That's one of the things I believe will happen. Women's will boxing. it just be financially not viable anymore? Is that, is well, that will force it well, that, out? That, that's part of it. But just practicalities. Man. Physically, we've never had a big enough cohort to study what happens to women who take punches to the head consistently. And I have a feeling we're storing up a disaster there. Um, Do you see anything happening with the weights? Like, revelatory, I suppose. There are weight classes for a reason, as Paulie Malinaggi says. For probably, no no one would dare touch that. If um, I had to take a guess, can I yeah. have a punt? I think um, small hall boxing as a whole will die off over the next 20 years. And I think the reason for it isn't necessarily lack of interest, but it's increased regulation... Um, it's increased costs, board costs, etc. So the British Boxing Board of Control control themselves. There's no body that sits above them. There's no government. They're just an independent body. They can dictate the terms by which you run a show. So you have to have the two paramedics. You have to have the anaesthetist. All these things. I'm not saying they're bad by any means, but then the costs of those people can be determined by themselves. So if the anaesthetists come together as a group and say, we're going to go from charging 1000 to £2,000, then that's tough shit to the promoter. You've still got to pay that at £2,000. The security, all these things add up. Like, the cost of a small hall show, before you've even sold a ticket, is huge. I'm talking, like, thirty grand or whatever. Then you have to start paying opponents, all these things. I'd suspect board regulations, health and safety stuff, every time there's a tragic accident, it gets more stringent, they tighten it, and they can add something in. The money isn't necessarily there for small hall promoters to keep absorbing those costs, and it's not as if health and safety is going to get any more lax over the next 20 years. It's only going to get more and more things added into it. Um, and I just think unless... I, I can't see a way they will survive if they keep building more and more <clears throat> um, requirements, and the only way it probably does is if other boards come in, so you've got the likes of... Um, Bieber, or what used to be the Maltese Boxing Commission, that uh, interestingly, one of their fighters, uh, Tasif Khan, was ranked within the top 15, I think, of the IBF this month, which is the first like non-British Boxing Board of Control fighter uh, to be ranked within one of the major governing bodies from Britain. Um, so that's quite an interesting development. We'll see where that goes. It'll be interesting to see if Bieber as a board, can start to try and usurp some of the control that the British Boxing Board of Control have. Um, I don't think they necessarily will. I just think you'll end up with more and more unlicensed boxing coming in over time. 
So I'll tell you what will kill the small horse shows is when they just start putting prize money in the amateurs. Then it'll be very hard for the small horse shows to compete with that. So you're looking at guys who can who can put a card together of 12 evenly matched bouts. So you get your kids against this guy's kids. Bang. So do you, so you think there's a future for amateur boxing then? Only if you bring prize money in. Because look, I don't think... It, I said it before. In 2017, I can't persuade a kid not to fight for money. No way in hell. Like, you're there and you're entertaining people. What do What do boxing fans really want? They want to see even bouts between guys who are more or less similar ability. Like, you two go at it. Don't need see. to be the best. Yeah, you don't need to be the best. Just be evenly matched and we'll watch it. So, I think it'll go back to those old days of where you could fill out a venue of 500 people watching an amateur show and it will be based on, well, all right, these kids have got to sell tickets. If they really have aspirations to do something in the sport, let them learn early. Sell tickets to your mates in school or whatever. And that sort of thing. I think that's the biggest threat to the small hall scene because... There's a lot of dross in the small hall scene. And what what happens over time is people realise what's quality and what's not. And they'll vote with their feet. Um, it's kind of a, a speculative question, but do you foresee the quality of top-end boxing going down uh, because the popularity of boxers ends up becoming more and more about their presence online and social media and <clears> stuff? Ooh. I realise it's a bit of a stretch, but... Just clear the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just clear pulled, the way. I've pulled the cord. <laughs> right. Yeah? You've, you've hit the secret code here, Andy. <laughs> He's gone red. He's ready to explode. <laughs> the standard of British boxing at the moment is atrocious. It is embarrassingly bad. And it's down to the poor standard of coaching. I had a brief conversation today. And what I was saying was, what separates... Good. Like, look, if you look at the All Blacks against the Lions, right? Men against boys. I don't care what anyone says, but it was close. It was. It was men against boys. Those All Blacks weren't even warmed up. The second test will be a massacre. And it's the same in boxing. We spend so long as coaches trying to prove how good we are by drilling pointless fucking techniques. Make sure your foot's within three inches of that line to throw the jab. You know, that sort of bullshit that you hear Richie Woodall talk about in commentary with the other of his numpty mates. One of the biggest revelations I had as a boxing coach was when I spent time with sprint coaches and they talked about outcome-based coaching where, where you set the outcomes and go, look, this is what I want you to do. And each individual athlete figures out how to do yeah. that. It's a very Ingle style of coaching of, mate, you don't want to get hit, figure out how not to get fucking hit with a jab. And so you become quite idiosyncratic as a boxer. But what it gives you is that decision-making capability to go, I need to figure out what's coming towards me and how to deal with that. As opposed to, look, let's take Gallagher's as an example. Gallagher fighters <clears throat> fight to a plan. What happened to Crawler versus Linares? Yeah? Joe was like, keep it tight for the first half. We'll come on in the second half. So Linares just said, I'm going to win all six rounds. <laughs> yeah? I'm going to win all six rounds. This is likely to end up as a draw in the worst case scenario. So now second half of the fight, Crawler's like, shit, I haven't won a round. I've got to turn it up. And as soon as he turned it up, Lenara said, this is what I was waiting for. Boom, 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 boom. Down you go. And that's what outcome-based coaching gives you. It gives you that, that ability to actually box. Make decisions, figure out what's going on in the ring. Feedback to your corner. Look, this is what's going on in the ring. Mar marry that up with what they see from the outside. Go back and box. Errol Spencer's a master of that. 
Uh, Mayweather's a master of that. Ward is a master of that. Why? Because they've been doing it their whole lives. Can I, can I just ask, is it common, therefore, as asking for someone who has absolutely no experience of coaching whatsoever, my, my sort of immediate thought would be, as a coach, I'd identify a talent in a boxer and then I'd say to them I want like similar to what you've just said then I want you to do this I take it back to the sort of sprinting coaches if you like if I had four lads and I was like right I want you lot to get to the to the the end of the hundred meters as far as you can and one of the lads jumped on his hands and ran faster than everyone else what I wouldn't do is go right get back on your feet as long as he's not breaking the rules and he's doing it as as he can so why why don't so, so furthermore to that are there coaches, therefore, that see a lad that could potentially do well if they feed him with outcome and go, right, hold on, let's break it down, and Gallagher? then end up making him worse because they're making him fight in a way that he can It can't... happens all the time. Right, okay. It happens all the time. You get a kid who's come from another background, maybe Kung Fu. He's used to avoid, like, like his reflexes are pretty good. And then you go, no, mate, what you really want to do is you want to stand like this with all your hands up, like it's 1865... And you want to move forward really slowly with your jab. Now, what you want to do is you want to get those first two knuckles in and then bring it back to your face. Why? Because then you can't get hit. But coach, he can still hit my glove, which is going to hit my face. And if my fist hurts him when I do that, it's going to hurt me. No, mate, who told you that, bollocks? That's bollocks, mate. It seems a very rigid way to teach a very dynamic sport. People teach what they've been taught. So... If you're taught by some old guy that doesn't know shit about boxing except for put your hands up, jab, walk forward, jab, that's what you're going to learn. And coaches are resistant to change. But I came at it from a different sport. Like, I played more years rugby than I boxed. And in rugby, you challenge everything regularly because it's like, shit, this isn't working. Kick it out. And we don't do that a lot in boxing. You know, like, when I talk to young fighters and I say, what exercise are you doing? They go, yeah, doing some deadlifts, some squats. And I go, but you're a boxer, right? Shouldn't you be working on single leg strength because that's how you generate power when you punch? Shouldn't you be working on single, just single limb movements because that's what boxing is? I asked my coach, I should deadlift and squat. What the fuck does he know about building strength and conditioning for boxing? Nothing. This is why you see all these boxers we have in this country all look the part, right? But they're really shit. And not only that, look at the videos they put up. They never put up videos of them being technical. It's, I just been for a run. I've just been lifting weights. I just did some yoga. I'm like, fucking hell, show a video of you as a boxer. Why? Because you'll end up looking shit and you'll get exposed for the limited fighters that you are. That's the problem. Can I take a breath? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, free ghost. He's the third question. Um, we're in this one as well. No, no, actually, I don't think we have. In terms of quality of fighters... And fights is Frank Warren doing more with less compared to Matchroom? Uh quite a good question. In man. terms of whoa, 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 you just deleted it in your. Uh, I needed to reread it. In terms of the quality of the fights, yes. In terms of does that then generate into viewership and revenue? No, not at the moment. Like you, <laughs> Matchroom shows bar Saturday and bar this coming Saturday. Uh, bar Friday and bar this coming Saturday typically sell out fairly quickly and fairly well like again Warren shows just don't have that same appeal yet to say the casual fan so is he putting on but I said it earlier I think the actual quality of the cards that he's putting on with his fighters 
is good and is improving. And he seems to be willing to take that risk at the moment to invest in getting better opponents over, named opponents. Um, it's whether or not he sustains it and whether or not Hearn reacts to it and tries to up his own game. It's almost like money ball, isn't it? Chisora's hoovered up these guys that Hearn probably had a look at and passed on. And he's gone, I want to put them in the ring together. Like Jermaine Smile, Daryl Williams. Matchroom had a look at Daryl Williams and passed on him. I don't know if they looked at Jermaine Smile, but they looked at Daryl and passed on him. There's a few others in that list that they'll have where they were just like, nah, we ain't having that. And Warren's just gone, I'll make them fight each other. Why not? And then almost it's, it's that law of survival, isn't it? It's right. Let's be Darwinian about this. At least five of these guys will cross over and make it to British level. Then we'll deal with it from there. Okay, let's talk the fight of the century, McGregor Mayweather. Yeah, which you both definitely agree with me on. Yep. <laughs> um, Tim asks if Connor beats Floyd, will he retire from boxing as there won't be any challenges left, <laughs> or will he get criticised for a lack of competition? <laughs> I think this is top level taking the piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, <laughs> or it's worryingly. <laughs> no, I think this is top level taking the piss. Will he retire? It'd be TBE, wouldn't he? One and oh, just duck out of the sport at that point. But he'll retire anyway. Because it's like, well. Well, Connor. Yeah, so what's the point? You're never going to. Look, what, what are UFC paydays really? I know they're bullshit, but UFC paydays don't cross a million for anybody. So you're going to fight 70 times to make that money. He'll go, ah, I'm good. You know, <laughs> let me go and set up my own UFC gym manage. But I have a theory, though. Expect, like, like this is just fucking WrestleMania 6 all over again. After the fight, expect Mayweather and McGregor to be like, well, you know, I'm the newest member of the money team. I'm TMT as well. Like, they will unite and go, we're the money team. And then you'll, it'll turn up, Floyd's going to start managing MMA guys and he's going to have an MMA gym <coughs> and it's going to be all that sort of bullshit. Like, there'll be... There, I get a sense there's a wider picture here because Floyd is not stupid and he knows McGregor is... While he's not Mayweather level, he's probably the next best thing. And if you can team that up, it gets Mayweather's name in MMA circles. So why wouldn't you? Okay, like, so there's so much money to be made. So uh, that's a good... Bridge to this to this question from uh, Senor Tasty. Tin four hat tasty. time. Floyd wins when he wants. So will he bet on himself at twenty five to one? Biggest odds on a first round knockout. I I, I suspect that if that was going to happen, it was it's probably let's let's try and broaden that out. If you're saying what you're saying, what's more important to Floyd is legacy or this freak fight? He could kind of throw away and still cling on to that boxing legacy build McGregor up even more make more money if he was to go to your money team make more money off that by getting beaten <laughs> no no I think he's saying that he finishes McGregor in round one at 25 to 1 oh okay is he yeah oh okay fine well, well, I, I, to do so, the opposite that'd be yeah. like 100 to 1 McGregor yeah, yeah, yeah. first round <laughs> so like yeah first round or any bet on himself if to he, lose if he's bet on himself to lose which I'm, I'm clearly sure there would be massive Lee Nevada State yeah. might be uh... but even if we don't do on that even if he just metaphorically bets on himself to do, actually loses and then builds up McGregor to go and make more money is, is that even possible no, no. There's, look Mayweather doesn't want to lose right? let's right. be absolutely clear okay. you, you don't train like he does and if you've seen the video footage you'll know Floyd hasn't really lost a step you don't train like he does and you don't live like he does 
if you expect to lose. He wouldn't have to train for this fight to beat McGregor. So the fact that he's doing it lets you know he's leaving no stone unturned. Their business will happen at the back end of this fight, that's for sure. Okay, Bruce Tapp asks, how do you rate Daniel Dubois and Anthony Yarda? Um, or, or just how does Warren's prospects match up to matchrooms? Let's go for the Dubois-Yarda question. How, how do you times? rate the pair of them? How many times? Yeah, I, we, we have touched on this listen, many listen, times. but th- 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 There's at least five episodes time. in 2016 where we touch yeah. on this. I think you bo- both rate them both very highly. Is yeah. it, am I, I'm pretty I, much I, there. I think Dubois has the, the perfect heavyweight jab. Not the fastest, not anything. But when he hits you with that jab, I've seen everyone react to it, which is rare. Because normally when you're a young heavyweight, you're kind of not sure about your jab. But his jab's just like a piston. Bam! And people react to it. And that's that's a high order of respect for a young heavyweight, is that he's already got that. I think what you have to face is the fact that I actually think Eddie Hearn now probably regrets not having those two in his stable. We said earlier about those that he passes over and those that he selects. I think I know he's got Anthony Joshua, but don't forget Daniel Dubois is nineteen years old. Like he's got 10 years till he hits his heavyweight peak. If Hearn intends to be in the sport for 10 more years, which is questionable, he probably wishes that he'd have taken Daniel Dubois on and was able to give him that ability to to shine within a stable. Not only that, he's scared because it's generally accepted it's a question of when, not if Dubois beats Joshua. So when you're seeing Daniel Dubois with the Furies, with this, you're like, fuck, he's learning. Joshua has the same sparring partners. Like, he doesn't, there's no new... No new characters come in because they don't want things leaking out. Whereas Dubois is going everywhere and sparring everyone like he's done his whole life. Like people, people don't realize Daniel Dubois was a 13 year old kid sparring Craig Richards at Palmer's years ago. And those guys were like 18, 19 and he was giving them hell. So this guy is set up to succeed. Like it's, if Daniel Dubois is not a world champion as a heavyweight, someone massively dropped the ball. Massively. Dino Kumas um, would love you to discuss the super middleweight and cruiserweight um, super series. The cruiserweight's shaping up phenomenally. Um, they've added this week Dortikos, who's the WBA cruiserweight champion. Um, so now you've got... Um, I think three of the four world um, cruiserweight champions into the World Boxing Super Series. They've added George Groves into the super middleweight and they've still got to announce some more. But I think every time they announce one, it surprises me a little bit more who it is that they're announcing. Um, There's not really been any that you've gone, well, they're a bit shit. So whether they're saving that for the end, I don't know. Um, And the rest! (laughs) (laughs) Bad news day, right, we'll just bury that under there. Um, I don't know whether they're doing that, or whether every one of them they're going to announce is basically an elite level fighter. If that's the case, we said this about the cruiserweights, I tweeted Tony Bellew about it the other day. Stop fucking about with David Hay, come down, and you know, you've only been a cruiserweight for like two minutes, and then you've gone and stepped up to heavyweight, you can still make it back down to cruiserweight, come and secure a legacy like the winner it's not even about money the winner of that Ali trophy that is the you know the prize the prize money for that is huge it's like millions and millions and it's a legacy where you're like well I beat everyone yeah so Tony Bell you stop being a penis going after David Hay 
who you beat because he was injured. Don't fucking lie to us anymore, Bellis. Go and see what go get on, on incognito mode and see what he said back to you. <laughs> <laughs> He's not blocked me. Um, but he seriously, like the best cruiserweights in the world are signed up for that competition at the moment. He needs to be adding his name into that. Um, and if he doesn't, then that just says to me he's not serious about securing the legacy. And there is money associated to it. Before anyone says to me, oh, but, you know, every fighter needs to secure their future. There is money associated to it. There oh, would please. be money. He's already secured his future. What does he foresee happening? He's still got another Rocky film to do, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he needs to get involved in that. But the one thing I'm still dubious or sceptical about is how does all this play out when it gets to... Um, getting on TV because say for instance it's, it's not going to happen but say for instance Billy Joe Saunders looks around says I've got nothing going on at middleweight at the moment I'm going to throw my name into the hat for the super middleweight version so you've already got George Groves you get Billy Joe Saunders in there and then say if James DeGale said well I'm having some of that and Chris Eubank says I'm having some of that you've then got four British people I know like bear with me because this isn't going to happen but just hypothetically you've got four British people you've got <laughs> the Gale who's kind of with Heyman you've got Eubank who's with ITV you've got um, who else I'll just Saunders. say Saunders who's with Box Nation um, Groves is floating Groves is floating so you've got four people that are on different networks got different people working with them how does that even work if all those people signed up to this World Boxing Super Series you kind of imagine they have to balance all this in the background when they're taking the applicants and when they're you know, trying to convince people to sign up for it, that they have to consider where the TV networks fit into this. Um, because, you know, remember when we spoke with Gilberto Mendoza the other week and he was saying a lot of what is decided is decided by the TV networks, then they have to fit in with it. Um, they're basically rogue promoters. And so make no mistake, like the TV networks have to agree to all this happening before anything happens. And that's what's going to be the interesting part. But you imagine there have been discussions... So, so I imagine this will be on, like the PBC, this will be on multiple networks. So, you would imagine. So you'd imagine if, let's say there's an Arthur Abraham fight, you'd imagine that would be on RTL in Germany. It's an RTL broadcast. A Eubank fight, if he's the A-side, will be an ITV fight. A Groves could be anywhere. The Gale, theoretically, could be anywhere. Um, you imagine the US is a bit more binary but I think that's probably why they've gone in with the cruiserweight, big name cruiserweights first, because we've said it before, although they're some really interesting fights, there's no like Hollywood names about yeah. it and well, so there could be one coming down the pipe, a real Hollywood name <laughs> <laughs> no, he's fucking about um, but you know, there are no standout um, you value you have to names. pack things like that out for us casuals Bell you Oh, um, oh right, okay, right. Is the Hollywood name? Oh but, God! You know, Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but you know, there's no, um, there's no standout name, so the TV networks isn't necessarily an issue there. So it'll be interesting to see who the super middleweights are that, that sign up. But it's all looking good. It's all looking brilliant. It's something boxing fans, John Mahouse said earlier. You know, we're miserable fucks. We are. We have. We've proven that for the last one hour thirty minutes. <laughs> But no, but this could be something that's a shining light. This could unify divisions. This could be brilliant. And they announced as well, like you're gonna have um, like seeded fighters in it, and then non-seeded fighters. So I think it's eight in each competition. So you'll have four seeded, four non-seeded, and at the draw that they're gonna do for this in Monaco, I think it is, the seeded fighters are gonna hand pick their opponent like like a Champions League draw. Right. They're gonna hand pick who they're fighting. 
and like have That'd all of them on stage. That'd be a great moment. That's great. Like, I love that. Groves is there like, James the <laughs> but the Gale's not going to be on the, the, the B side draw, is he? He's going to be like an A side. Well, well, the way he's going, you don't know. Well, that's true. Um, but I think that's a classy touch that I really look forward to. Like, build a bit of that drama. We've not seen that in yeah. boxing before. That's a, it's an innovation, and we ought to be embracing it. Yeah. It's interesting because when you ask the question about boxing 20 years from now, there was a documentary on yesterday, and it was about Kerry Packer and what he did to cricket. And what I found interesting was actually the root cause of Kerry Packer basically fucking up cricket was he wanted a TV deal that they wouldn't give to him. So then he went, I'm going to go and do this myself. And in the process of doing it himself, he he reimagined cricket. So by the time the Australian Cricket Authority came back and went, yeah, sorry, we screwed up. Do you want to do a deal now? He had got all of the things he wanted in place. And I found it interesting that it's often from those sorts of scenarios you get the really, really good innovations in sport. So this has a chance to be that, to say, actually, do you know what? We can do things differently here. And boxing needs that because we're bored. We're bored of this narrative that when you make your debut, you have to fight a four-rounder you're against on the someone who's shit. The truth is you're not. Because in the old days, yeah, because you picked up some 17-year-old kid from Repton and turned him pro. He needed four-rounders, and I understood that. But these Olympians who've done WSB, mate, jump in at six rounds. Jesus Christ, what else are you going to do? Even McGregor's jumping in at 12. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> he's never had a fight. The fact is, team sports obviously rely on the the tribalistic nature of, of people following their teams. Individual sports rely heavily on big tournaments that everyone can come and compete at. You know, like you take athletics and you've got the Olympics. That one blue ribbon event that everyone sort of looks towards and in boxing you only get those when it just happens to be that two boxers are that good that oh wow we've got this fight and then either it ends up getting milked dry or or it it just doesn't happen again or you know so you don't have with something like this you have the potential that like you said if it's something that gets embraced and then and it's an innovation that continues we have the potential that it could be something that happens well I don't know every couple of years or whatever and that would that'd be brilliant you know one of the things that annoyed me someone asked Eddie Hearn about supercards so Joshua Klitschko Hey Bell you two Groves to Gale all on one card and Hearn was like nah not commercially yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. but the problem is that like, dilutes it Mike <laughs> dilutes my every feet. year the WWE signpost exactly who's going to be at Wrestlemania they know you know I mean like by February we know who's going to be at Wrestlemania and everyone still buys it. Like, WrestleMania is the anchor of the WWE revenue machine. And what's their revenue every year? $700 million. No boxing promoter, no one comes close to that. Because they realize there are times when you just have to give the fans something and you've got to stack those cards. You'd pay 50 quid for those three fights and an undercard. Yeah, but I think what it also comes down to, let's not forget, is not just that night. It's not just that night. It's about building superstars that can go on to do other nights. So you build that supercard for one night with the three fights. You know, your Joshua Klitschko, your Calm Brook, your Groves de Gale. You build that card. Yes, you fucking do your cods on it. You, In the terms of Eddie Hearn. You know, you'll spend millions. You may make a loss. Who knows? You make it into a super event. 
but then you've built those stars. And then they can be used in the future for other events where they get used singularly and you make yeah. loads of money out of it. Yeah. There's yeah. a residual benefit. It's not about that one night necessarily. It's about building stars. And that's what we're just not doing enough of. <laughs> yeah. Dare I say it, boxing might actually uh, benefit from the past the torch fights that you've talked about in the past. If you had, like... Like you're saying, those six fighters having a big fight and then, say, one of each or two of each of those fighters appears on cards throughout the year. And then once that fighter gets to a point where he's knocking on the door of retirement, he passes the torch, so to speak, to someone. But also look at it in terms... You're absolutely right. (laughs) If you put those three fights on, how many people like you, Andy, and I'm going to single you out here because you are self-confessed casual. Yeah. AJ Klitschko, what time do you turn up at Wembley? Uh, what did you see before? Well, let's put it this way. If I didn't have to stay in the beer, beer queue for the for about 40 minutes, I would have seen half of the fight before, which I didn't. I right. saw literally... The only fight I saw was Joshua Klitschko. But if you had three mega fights that you were turning up for, you're not going to take that risk because no. you know potentially you've got to be there three, four, four hours before. Yeah. And so actually, you're probably going to go there like five hours before, soak it up, and at that point, you might as well just make the day of it and the afternoon of it. Yeah the evening of it. And so you chuck on loads of young lads and like up-and-coming lads and prospects that people will actually go and see. Unlike at Joshua Klitschko, where no one gave a fuck about that undercard because it was pointless. If you had that mega card, people will go to the whole thing because they don't want to miss any of the exciting stuff at the end. Yeah. They'll make an afternoon and evening of it and then you build those stars properly. And, ah, oh, there you go. Okay, um, Jason J asks, would Mike Garcia be top of the pound-for-pound um, pound rankings and be considered the best um, if not for his fallout with Aram? Why? Why? Who's, I... he, who's he beaten? No, I think the point is that when he fell out with Bob Aram and he took, what was it, three years, two years two, out of the yeah. sport, he sh- you know, in that period of time where he was inactive, you see how he's come back and the fights he's taken. Like, he's got the Broner fight coming up. If you could backfill those two years with serious fights, could he be top of it? Well, as an Aaron fighter, he wouldn't have had serious fights. They'd have just given him bums like Sammy Vargas until they said, right, fight Crawford. That's what they would have done. Aaron's not a guy who who builds legacies for his fighters. He he, he looks at the, the dollars, and he, he's always been like that. Give him his credit. He, he makes himself rich, and he makes others rich. I, I Look, for me, Garcia needs a Broner win, and one other. Linares. I'm not... I'm, look, Linares has been built up because he fought Crawler twice. Crawler is a British-level fighter. Linares is a mentally weak boxer. Jesus Christ, look at the scar tissue on the guy's face. He gets battered about. I you still know? want to see it. Yeah, but Linares isn't... For me, he's not a guy you could put on a pound-for-pound list because I'm like, who, who have you really beaten, Linares? You know, Crawler. Ooh, ooh, who doesn't beat Gallagher fighters when the belt's on the line? <laughs> Um, if he can take Luke Campbell's scalp, will he then be on the... Uh, He's going to fucking destroy <laughs> Luke Campbell. Cannot wait. Carl uh, Chapman asks, do you think that fighters putting so much emphasis, I already know the answer to this, on having a perfect record, i.e. no losses, is preventing great, fight, great fights happening more frequently? I believe, I think, that the answer of you two are going to give is yes. No. Oh, you don't think it's... Yeah, of course it is. I'm taking it <laughs> but look, it stops people interrogating their records, right? When you go around going, I'm unbeaten, no one ever goes, well, hold on. 
Let, let, let's let's look at that record, yeah? Who have you actually been? So Deontay Wilder. Oh, you know, I'll make Dinian White number 38. And you're like, uh, I'll give you the Spilker knockout. Impressive. You didn't put Sturt Verne down, right? Melina. He handled Audley, though, in Sheffield. Yeah, but you know. You know big Audley was a weapon. Yeah, but I'm sure. I'm <laughs> Not sh- the way that you were necessarily. I- I'm sure. I'm sure Audley's been put down by a punch bag somewhere. Like, literally. <laughs> A just, speed bag. Yeah, just hit him and that was it. <coughs> but look, I guess my point is, when you hear someone say they're unbeaten, it's like, well, but who have you beaten? Like, like May- Mayweather's 49 and 0. You're like, okay, there are people on there who mean something. Yeah, there are people on there who are arguable, arguable for the Hall of Fame. There are people there who you're like, Zab Judah was a good fighter. He gave a lot of people trouble. Um, Mayweather probably probably took years off his career so you understand it when it's like that but you shouldn't be afraid to lose what's worrying with Wilder is if he did take that white fight and if he beat him 38 and 0 he'd be and Dillian White would be his third best win (laughs) like maybe a second maybe better than Spilker it'd be his second most behind Spilker and uh, Harrison (laughs) (laughs) but he would easily be in the top three possibly the second most legitimate win on his resume which is terrible and here's the problem you have, and this is what Hearn is a part of as well, right? We know who the best four heavyweights on this planet are. We know Luis Ortiz, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Klitschko, whatever. Um, so you don't think Klitschko would beat Ortiz? Nah. No. No, 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 no. Look, he struggled with Fury as a southpaw. I think Klitschko has a hoodoo against southpaws. Wasn't Corey Sanders a southpaw as well when he knocked him out? Pass, maybe. Yeah, so so I think the point... Uh, yeah, so it's that same point that we know who the four best are and we're not lobbying for these fights. Why, why aren't we lobbying for these fights? Why aren't we saying to Hearn, fuck off, shut up, do not tell me anything that doesn't involve Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder in the same sentence. Do not tell me anything else. I'm not buying it. I, feel, I, I get the feeling personally that... No matter what Eddie Hearn wants, it is going. It's going to happen. There's too much money and gravity pulling them together for me, anyway. Like he might, Hearn might end up doing the Pulev fight. I, I don't know, but I just feel like once the Klitschko and the Pulev fights are out of the way, or potentially the belts dropped, something's got to give. Like Fury is not going to be away forever, hopefully. But once he's back on the scene as well, like. There's got to be big fights happening eventually with Wilder and with Fury. I, that's what, that's you, the feeling I get. Do you remember there was a question once on the podcast and they said, now that the belts are free and floating, will we finally get all the fights we wanted? And my answer was, hell effing no. Yeah, I think you... Because then you led on to advocate the... You were hoping that Klitschko would reunite the belts because that's what you thought was the best opportunity he's the only guy who cracked it like like and vladimir said it in an interview once he goes if you knew how much it cost me to keep those belts you'd realize this is the hardest thing to do in boxing because he always had to pay people off and promise them a slot like you're number three you know in the list but here's some money just to keep you quiet for a bit so a lot of guys like like pulev pulev got rich off klitschko and he's getting rich off joshua because every time joshua does a voluntary Pulev gets a little check. You notice how Pulev doesn't make too much noise? He's like, I'm nice. He's nice. When you're on that number one spot, like Stavern, if Wilder does fight Dillian White, Stavern will be nice. 
because Wilder will say, look, Eddie, you pay Stavern to keep quiet, then you pay me my purse, and we can fight. The ironic thing being Stavern would be a more entertaining opponent than White, right? No, because no, in that first fight, Stavern didn't do anything. Okay, that is all of our questions. Thank you very, very much. Um, as Thank you've, you loads. As you've clearly Thank realized. you for your patience, Jesus. Like We're looking right at the timestamp now. There is nothing happening... So we were reliant purely on uh, your your lust for answers. Um, just to let you in on something, Martin obviously uh, put up a a poll to see if you guys would be interested in listening to Argue and Arguable. When we started recording tonight. I yeah, it scraped through as a yes. So there's going to be a few people out there that are like... Ugh. Demanding a recount. So well, what we'll do There is, were no UN observers in this one. We'll get Terry to say what he's going to say and then we'll do it last so if you don't really want to listen to it you can end the podcast and you won't have missed yeah, anything else yeah they're going to else. fast forward past the rant <laughs> yeah, they, they may do yeah I know that first and foremost look congratulations to Sam Smith she's finally made it out that she's signed to Goodwin really happy because if you follow the podcast you know we've been banging the drum for women's boxing but from that grassroots level so those women who were holding it down before the Olympians before the Olympians came and started eating other people's cheese and whatnot. so congratulations to her I'm really looking forward to seeing her fight. Like I've been up to the gym in Leeds called Alliance Boxing Club. If you're if you're one of our Leeds listeners, pop in. Really good gym. Got a coach there, Derek, who has taught me a hell of a lot. Just watching him, real gnarly, wily old coach. So I'm always excited when I meet guys who teach me new things, which is good. That sounded quite creepy. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the same vein, listen. Congratulations to Stacey Copeland. Debut. She got her win. Um, her and I often don't agree on women's boxing and stuff, but I've got a lot of respect for her, man. She's from a boxing family, so I'd never deny her the opportunity to be in the family business. I really hope for big things from her. I mean, class act as a human being, class act as a person, and can really box. So just happy for her. You know, who else do we need to shout out? And I think, let's shout out the boxing promoter as well, because, you know I mean, we've got those beta codes, and we've all had a little play around with it, and it's fun. I don't care what anyone says. It's a fun little game to I'm have. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, you know. So when that comes online, make sure you guys, I mean, get behind it. And if you've got boxing-related ideas, go and do them. And like that, that's what the sport needs. It just needs people to give us stuff to get excited about. You know, we're not asking for too much. What else is happening in the world of boxing? Nah, no Goodman shows next week. Um, who's boxing July 1st? That's Buglioni, isn't it? Is anyone and no one's boxing in America? Uh, not off the top of my head. Ah oh, man, this is devastating. I'm not gonna be able to rant. Well, that's it. Um, we got August to get through. We got August to get through. That's dry season. That's like Andy being cut off Twitter. Uh, Tinder, uh, Tinder, Twitter. <laughs> he wouldn't mind being cut off no, Twitter. He wouldn't notice. <laughs> Never on. No. But no, no. Shout out to all those lady boxers out there. Um, good friend of mine, Anel Massey. She had a tough time at the Haringey. Despite the but- fact you've predicted the doom of their sport. No, 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 but 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 now Massey's a class act. She's absolutely brilliant. Martin will love her because she's a Spurs fan. I'm trying to convert her back. Class. Yeah, but no, no, you know what I mean? Like, you know when you look at people and you go, she could be the face of women's boxing as well. Her, the Hannah Robinsons of this world. Um, you know, really exciting. Shannon Courtney. Yeah, uh, but she's had a quite quiet run to the end of the season. You know, I'm worried. And then the Irish ladies, Kelly, Dervler, the whole gang. But no, look, just wanted to shout out the women boxers today. You know, Umar Sadiq, 
You know I mean, I'd be a cool box soon. Pop down and see those guys. Are you putting Umar into the women's boxing code? It sounded like you were. I've seen Umar. I'm not. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, he. I'm not categorizing him. I, I don't know what weight class you put him in, though. Like, yeah, he might struggle against Clarissa Shields. You know, <laughs> don't want to preempt the outcome of that one. But he's so horrible to everyone. <laughs> nah, nah. We're just playing around. Nah, nah. He he's a class act. Um, you know, top boxer Sadiq. Follow him. He he is one of the more entertaining fighters out there in terms of Instagram and Twitter. He so. Is. Yeah, really, you know what I mean? Nice guy, man. He's a good man. You know what I mean? Get excited. Um, Shouts out to Linus Sadofia. Uh, another guy. Follow him on Insta and Twitter. Interesting character as well. Quite like him. Truth and Facts Boxing. I say this every time, yeah? The best non-UK boxing broadcast is Truth and Facts <clears throat> Boxing. I like that because you've got a guy who actually knows his stuff, unlike the boxing voice, which is just in a permanent state of civil war. Although cheap seats boxing, get on with them as well. I like cheap seats. Are they the ones boxing. that had you on? Yeah, they oh. know this. I enjoy listening to them. They're good. They give a real good insight to the American stuff that we frankly wouldn't have a clue of being able to do. Yeah. So people can listen to that. Listen yeah. to cheap seats boxing. Listen to truth and facts. You know, spread your wings. Yeah. Go and do that. Because we know what we bring to the table. So we're not insecure about other podcasts. We know. You come to us for something different, and we deliver that week after week. And go to Fight Talk as well. Go and listen to Sam yeah. and Craig and James. Like, yeah. good lads, all of them. People that are putting their time and effort into it and making decent products. Do it. Yeah, I think we've, we've put people over. Now Now, now for arguably inarguable. <laughs> now you can turn off. The crowd wanted it. The majority of people technically wanted it. All right, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. So, it's time to bring back, if not permanently, certainly for this podcast, Argue the Inarguable. So, I will give an an inarguable point to each of our contestants. Contestants <laughs> implies you want to be doing it. Yeah, but you don't, and you have to. Um, and then they will do their best to argue this ridiculous point. And I always find it entertaining. So I'm glad that the uh, poll swung the way of yes, which I actually voted on. Daniel so. Varno, wasn't it, that we got to blame for this? Um, oh, sorry, no, Daniel, Daniel Saint. Saint. Daniel, Daniel Saint. Saint, Fellow tendrologist. Um, Dick. Okay, <laughs> okay Terry. <laughs> <laughs> With the matchroom... With the Matchroom's next-gen show the other night, Eddie Hearn has truly entered the realm of legendary or master promoter. <laughs> I was on the train today, and I don't know what I ate yesterday, but as soon as I sat down on the toilet in the train, like, my ass exploded. And in the <laughs> mess that resided in the bowl, looked to be the lower reaches of the Matchroom card, I could pick out faces. It was worrying. And the worrying thing about it was... That vision was more appealing than anything that happened at the next gen show. Absolutely anything. (laughs) How great Eddie Hearn is, and yet someone bought a ticket to go and watch it. And and no, no, that makes Eddie great for making his show the equivalent of my shit. (laughs) Jesus Christ! Wow, yeah, money for all rope taken to the other extreme. I mean, yeah, it's even one week only material, isn't it? This money is the, for money for train toilet shit. This will literally be <laughs> this will be one of those shows that will just be embargoed on iTunes. Like, you will not be able to click on this after like a week. Okay. Right. Uh, 
I should have said before, it's about 30 seconds long. That's not really important because it never really gets stuck to that much anyway. Martin. Perhaps not in terms of showmanship, but certainly in terms of sporting excellence, McGregor versus Mayweather will be the fight of this and the last century. Yeah, because you've got two evenly matched people coming into it. So, look, Floyd has only beaten uh, like a prime Mosley, uh, just past it, um, Pacquiao. But what he's doing now is taking on someone who's got a wide stance. <laughs> he's got a really wide stance. And when you talk about ring generalship, you see how far Conor McGregor spreads his legs in the ring. Think about how quick he can get around that ring. He's going to be like a fucking gazelle in there. He's going to be like Van Damme in kickboxing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> as, as, much as, as much as Mayweather may have mastered the art of boxing, he has not got a wide stance. <laughs> not like Connor does. So that's where the leveller comes in. That's something Richie Woodall would say. <laughs> He's got a very wide stance. Deal with it. Floyd can't. <laughs> Okay, there we go. I guess that takes us to the end of the podcast. Thank quick, you. For- quick, quick one-liner. Look, we're trying to get this to twenty thousand unique listens a month by the end of this year, right? So you all have to help us bang that drum. And if you ask why we want that, we want people to go to Spencer Firon. Those new age guys are killing you. Up your game. Keep up with them, because what are they going to talk about on toe to toe on Wednesday? A fucking turd of a card. No. So, don't listen to them. Well, actually, no, sorry. Do listen to them, but remind them that the young hungry animals are on their way. Go on, Terry. <laughs> Bomb squad! <laughs> there go your earphones. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Get in touch, uh, as always, with your questions at No Age Boxing UK, at The Seven Wolves. A and... casual hunter. Fuck you. Yeah, go on, Terry. Oh, God. What was that from? Do you remember? The guy oh. was tweeting. Oh, the Seven Wolves tweet so much drivel. I'm tired of it. Like if it wasn't if it wasn't for Andy and Martin, I'd have sacked this thing off. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Oh. <laughs> Didn't know about this podcast before I showed up, did you, you mug? <laughs> I love you, mate. I love you, buddy. <laughs> don't worry. You've got a friend in me. I don't do Twitter <laughs> arguments. It's too much effort. Um I didn't my new response I know. was it was a listen. Cheers. I know. I mean, I can I can lend you some followers if you want, mate. <laughs> yeah, but then you just lost your top and said fuck. That's yeah. true, though. You know what that's fine. That's not a Twitter yeah. argument. Yeah, that's, that's just fucking yeah. someone off on a podcast. That's fine. Um, right, thank you very I much. Just for gave listening. him like a thousand new followers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get uh, get in touch with us for more questions, or if you want to argue, you know, we'll do another midweek poll. See if we can. No, no, no. It's it. over. It's over. It was a one-shot deal. It's like a referendum. It's done. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, once in a lifetime. Okay, well, that's it. Thank you once again for your questions. Cheers. (laughs) Fucking cunt me off, I'm having a piss. (laughs) (laughs) Would we do that? Just a quick one for all you chaps. (laughs) Um, We are going to be away next week because Martin and Terry are both away. And I'm not going to talk to you by talking by myself. So we will see you 9th of July. Enjoy your time away from us and we will see you again soon. Bye. Bye.